Hi, it's Marion Ellis here and welcome to the Surveyor Hub podcast, Business Bite Size, where we talk about being in the business of surveying. Do you know what it costs to run your business? Do you have a regular meeting or check in with yourself, with your bookkeeper or accountant maybe, to look at what you are spending your business and what you are charging your clients? Are you winging it, trusting the work will come, but you're noticing that the hours are starting to creep up and you seem to be working a lot more than you used to? Maybe numbers are not your thing, but at the end of the month, you have money in your bank and that's okay. Perhaps you earn enough, you do all right, and don't think it's right or possible to charge a higher fee than you already do. Either way, every business has an ebb and flow when it comes to money. Whether you do project work and have a plan and budget, or you work harder some months of the year, knowing you will take time off at certain times when it's quiet. Make hay while the sun shines, as they say. Balancing cash flow in your business isn't always easy. If you haven't come across the profit first method, then do your research, uh, go search for it, or drop me a message and I'll send you some information. It totally transformed the way we work when I was MD at Blue Box Partners, and I adopt the same principles now I work for myself. In many ways, making a profit is not rocket science. You just need to earn more money than you are spending. And if you are not, there are two ways to tackle it. Cut back and become more efficient or make more money through doing more or charging more. I come across a lot of surveyors investing in technology to become faster, more quicker, set themselves targets to just bish, bash, bosh, get the job done. Less common are surveyors who charge what they are worth, even proud of being the most expensive in an area. Your money mindset and beliefs around money. So everything you've ever learned has been uh, shaped your attitude towards money. I sometimes wonder what else might affect surveyors' money mindset. Perhaps the competitive attitude of corporate panel firms, perhaps, or price comparison sites fueling the fire. Maybe it's because the work we do impacts on people's lives. And you'll have heard me say before, when we walk into people's homes, we walk into their lives. And quite frankly, we see that some people struggle. And then sometimes it doesn't just feel right to charge or take advantage. Pricing is a very sensitive subject with many surveyors and from time to time it pops up in posts in the Surveyor Hub community group. It also forms a significant part of the coaching and mastermind programs I run where I've seen some terrific turnarounds with surveyors feeling more in control, making a profit and hiring the help they need in their business so they can do more of the stuff they love. But given that many surveyors across the country can't afford their own homes, despite working in the property sector, it's time for a reality check. And if your business is not making money, then really there is no point in being in business and taking on that risk. That said, before you quit or go bust, I'd urge you to take a deep dive into your business and finances. And that starts with making the time in your working day to work on your business. Evening admin is not a badge of honour, nor should admin be seen as an afterthought or a nice to have. It's a crucial function. As a business owner, no matter what size you are, 
you must know what it costs to run your business. I caught up with Sally Farrant, also known as the Pricing Queen, to learn more about where small businesses need to start when it comes to the numbers in your business. Yeah, so knowing your costs is really important. So you need to know how much your business costs you to run. So all the outgoings, mileage, if you've got systems that you pay for, all of that sort of stuff. So, And, and I know in this situation, the professional insurance is really important. So all of those costs. So there's a, quite a big base cost in those businesses. Plus, then you need to know how many hours you want to work so that you, and how much you want or need to earn. And I suppose what people, a lot of people do is they work out the price they think they can charge and work back rather than looking at, well, what does it cost for me to run my business, hidden subscriptions, you know, running your car, even working from home costs <laughs> that we have now yeah. and, and the, there are tax allowances for that, I know. And they seem to work back in the wrong so, way almost. Yeah. So I think that working, you kind of, a lot of the time, particularly in a, in a more price sensitive market, you probably need to work both ways. So it's kind of going, well, what do I think I would, you know, I'm probably going to charge and then go, well, actually, is it worth me doing the job? Because actually, if you're taking, if a job takes you, let's say it takes you 10 hours and you're at 50 pounds an hour, but if the job's only going to pay you 350 quid, it's not worth it because you're not earning enough for it. So it's kind of going, actually, I need to look for more lucrative work or I need to spend less time doing the smaller jobs. So if a job will only pay you £350, you need to go, well, actually, how do I scale back the numbers? I'm not doing 10 hours work, I'm doing five or six, so that it kind of narrows the scope. And I know that can be tricky sometimes, but it's kind of going, actually, those are the jobs that are not worth it, or I need to become more efficient at how I produce the work that I need to in the time that I've got. But also you need to include travel time. You've got to go out and do the, you know, it's not only doing the survey, but it's also traveling to and fro it's the work that you do as the follow-up it's all of that stuff and all the admin that goes around it so you kind of if you don't know already start tracking from start to finish how long it takes you from when you first get introduced to a client to the finished product and you'll be amazed it's probably about twice as much as you think it's going to be looking at the numbers and discovering that you're doing loss leading work can be really disheartening but it is absolutely possible to do work you love for people you like who pay you what you're worth. You just might not have found the right combination to achieve it yet, and you need to rethink your mindset. Start with taking some time to detail everything you are spending in your business and also log what is coming in and how long jobs are really taking you to do. <laughs> if you have never done it, now is the time to start. And it can be as simple as having a spreadsheet where you keep a log. You don't need any fancy technology. You need to decide how many hours you want to work and how much you want or need to earn each month. This is often where the first signs of money mindset challenges come in because we don't think it's possible or realistic that the barriers come down preventing us from charging what we're worth or giving ourselves permission to work less and earn more. Park those thoughts for now and take the time to really think about what you want to achieve in your business and what earning more money enables you to do. Go back and listen to some of my earlier podcasts on business planning and vision to help you get started or if you're really struggling, then, you know, you can book in for a power session with me. You'll find the link in the website and we'll pop it into these show notes too. Doing the math of what your costs are over time equates to a minimum figure for every hour of your time that you work 
and you build to your customer. And you need to keep that in mind at all times. Sally has a really neat little calculator tool on her website, which can help you work that out. I'll pop a link in the show notes you can follow up on. Do some analysis on how you're spending your time. Again, you might need to do a time audit or keep a tracker of how long it takes you to do a job. Don't guess, track it from the start to finish, and I'll wager it'll take you much longer than you think. Make sure you include the sales conversations, collating the terms, the pre-inspection prep, travel time to and from, yes, the inspection and reporting, but also the queries and closing off the file. So the first part is to know what you want and what you need your business to do for you. The second part, though, is knowing what to charge. And this is where money mindset challenges rear its head again. Comparisonitis sets in. Imposter syndrome appears and says, hi, hello. Do you know you're not experienced enough and you need more letters after your name to charge more? Maybe in the past you've tried charging a higher fee and people said no. This is what Sally had to say about that and where to start when it comes to charging a higher fee. You know, I say this to lots of people, not just about this, but it's kind of like position yourself as the expert. You can charge more if you're known for particular things. So if you're known for a particular style of house, if you're known for particular projects, then get out there as, you know, niching is often a way to charge more. So if you're a particular expert in a particular style of thing, get out there and and kind of make it known that that's what you're doing and kind of get yourself, you know, where it's possible and practical, but also get linked up with builders and those people that deal in that sort of area so that when because certainly when we had our house done the surveyor was recommended we had a couple recommended by our builder and they we used one of those so getting good contacts I think and again you can charge more because people expect and I think with project stuff it is easier to charge more because the project is massive whereas probably the house you know with, with the house buying stuff it's much more transactional but it's kind of moving into areas I think that you are good at. So not being a generalist is often a good thing. Being a bit more specialist can often reap higher rewards, particularly if you're a specialist in old properties or grade two listed or whatever it is. I think those sorts of things can really, like people are prepared to pay more for that sort of thing because they know they've got to get through all the planning and all the hoops. Being known as an expert and getting great testimonials can really boost not only your profile, but also your bank balance. Getting your messaging, marketing and social media profile to reflect who you want to work with means that when people reach out to you, most of the hard work is done. If it's not and sales conversations are not converting, then that's where you then need to concentrate on. Hey, thanks for tuning into the show today. I really hope you enjoyed it. You can find the show notes and links to any guests and resources we've mentioned today on the website, lovesurveying.com. And don't forget to show your support by buying me a coffee or you can rate, review and follow the podcast on your usual podcast platform. It really does make a difference and helps spread the word and reach a wider audience of surveyors who just love what they do. See you next time.